What's up, people? Welcome back to another installment of Black History, but make it fashion. Also known as the Black Fashion History Podcast. You know, the only place in the podcast world where you get to hear the contributions of Black people all around the world to the luxury fashion industry. We celebrate Black excellence here. We celebrate fashion. We celebrate Black culture. And we just honor the black legends that came before us that paved the way for us to be also chic and fabulous and there's no better time to do it than in the month of february the blackest month of the year and it's even blacker this year because february has 29 days this year it's black history month now here on the podcast we are blackity black 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 history 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all of that good stuff. And today is no different. If you guys were listening last week, then you know I chatted with Sinke Brathwaite, who is the co-founder and the president of the Elame Brath Foundation. And we talked about the Grand Assa models, as well as the Black is Beautiful movement. And I just gave you guys a little bit of a taste it was like a sample like a costco sample but this week we're going to really get into the meat and potatoes of everything so we're going to jump into today's conversation with Sinke, just explaining more about the impact and the power of the images of the grandassa models specifically amongst the black community so you want to start a podcast right I know it can seem really daunting and complicated to have to think through how to record it or how to edit it and even how to upload it. But don't worry about any of that. I'm about to give you the only tool you need to create an A1 top of the line podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even start making money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Now, all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm, that's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M, to get started today. Now, let's get back into our content. Yeah, it was a whole segment of women who were left out of the beauty game. And the Grand models changed that because just like with anything, once you see yourself reflected in highlighted in this way, you're like, wow, okay, yeah, I am beautiful. You know, <laughs> you know, and it's in the psyche. We can look at the the doctor who did the study with the dolls, the black doll and the white dolls. Um black children were reaching for the white dolls, you know. Mm-hmm. So if if you're not um hyping up your women, hyping up your own saying, oh yeah, setting your own standard more importantly then you, I mean, you're never going to be able to compete with somebody else on their own standard because they, all they have to do is be themselves while you're always going to be trying to be them. I believe that this is why it basically went viral in the Caribbean and in Africa. And of course it didn't help. I mean, it didn't hurt that Ajaz had these relationships. For one, their studio, their studio was right there at the Apollo. 
uh, Frank Shipman owned the Apollo at the time. Um, the Apollo was the entertainment nexus of the black world. And here you, that's your landlord, you know. Your offices are right in there, you know. And so you move from my parents, my grandparents' basement to to right in to the Apollo. Like, what an upgrade. What access, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, that's such a trans such a transformative sort of upgrade, you know. I mean, that's like going from hanging, when the plane's taking off, you're hanging on the wheel as it's pulling up to go into first class, you know. <laughs> you know, you've got access to everything, everybody, and you're out in the forefront. So that, that, that was, um, big. And then, of course, because jazz was the art form, the music art form really of the time, jazz was the, the equivalent of rap and R&B, uh, now, I probably even say rap now. Rap is probably a little over arm. Well, that's a minor point. But jazz and jazz musicians like Miles Davis would be the equivalent of of a Jay Z. You know what I mean? So that's what everybody was listening to. That's you know, jazz artists were the big to do. And my father had a relationship with Miles Davis and many um, of the artists at the day. You know, my uncle photographed pictures. With, uh, a father in like, say, Cannonball Adderley, you know, all of these jazz legends, uh, you know, A-Jazz would celebrate, you know, Max Roach. Max Roach was also part of A-Jazz and Abby Lincoln. She was a top actress at the time, especially after her, her movie, Nothing But a Man, you know, so you had the support of some big people in jazz. And not and not only that, you know, Miles had, uh, you know, I remember my father telling me about how um, Miles had even financially, you know, supported AJS, you know, looked basically back for nothing in in return. Those things are always are always great, and they and they're always going to help you get your message out because now you see, you're looking at Lou Donaldson, all these people, you got all these jazz albums. And all these grandassa models' faces are coming out on these jazz albums. That's influence, especially as I said, jazz was the <laughs> jazz was jazz was pop culture at that time. That was the popular culture, jazz. And then so people are seeing like, who's this woman? Who's this Helene White? Who's this Rose Nelms? Who's this Esther Davenport? Who's this Jean Gums, this Wanda Sims, Marie Toussaint, you know, Beatrice Cranston, um, Clara Lewis, you know, who are these, you know? So, you know, it draws their attention. You know, one of the great performers of that time, Miriam Makiba, you know, she came and had a relationship with the Grand Assam Models. She wanted to take Grand Assam Models on tour, you know. Um, it's just so much support from other quote unquote people who were black celebrities at that time embracing what was going on, you know, just embracing what was being done, even if they didn't really totally understand it. Because a lot of times you understand these things as an afterthought when you look back in history. They just knew, like, I love this, you know, I love this, you know. And to give you an example of the impact it had on the psyche of black people. So, 
Eldridge Cleaver is someone who was very popular at the time. Oh, he was in he was in a prison because really what we well even before I tell the story, let me make a distinction. Um, Black is Beautiful movement kicked off with the Grand Actors in '62. There was no Black Panthers in '62. Okay, they were they had they were they were not the Black Panthers uh, yet. And the, the look that you see associated with the women who are in the Black Panthers had not been developed. All of that came from Ajaz and Ajaz's influence. So when Eldridge Cleaver was in prison, you know, as I said, the images of the Grand Dasser went global. They had the office right next to the Apollo on 125th Street. Eldridge Cleaver uh, sent a letter to... Uh, President of Ajax, who was my father at the time, exulting, going crazy about these images like he was, like, I've never seen black women in their natural state look this beautiful and this graceful. He's just fawning, going crazy. In fact, um, Robert Gums' sister, Jean Gums, in particular, he was really going crazy over her. He really wanted to meet her. Like, who are these women? When I, like, basically said at that time, when I come out, um, I want to, you know, I want to meet them. Now, as history goes and everything, when he came out and after a time, something happened to him because he wrote the book, eventually Soul on Ice. He never came <laughs> to the East Coast, um, but he wrote the book Soul on Ice, which was very distressing to those of us who find black women beautiful, the things that he said in there. But, um, you know, whatever happened in prison and transformed him to, and that's that, but, and I'm not going to dare repeat some of the things he said about black women in the book, but prior to that, when he saw the Grand Dasses, it was totally opposite um, thoughts and feelings about the black woman, you know, I mean, he might have had some of those feelings then, maybe in prison or whatever, things got lost, he lost his way, but because he was such a important person and uh an organization like the Black Panthers, which is, uh, you know, integral part of understanding African-American history is very significant to know that, you know, what his reaction was. And he was talking about, I got to come to the East Coast of California. I got to meet these. I got to see this for myself. And I, I like to state for the record, you know, not everybody, you have to understand the psyche of black people, that not everybody was supportive. In fact, if one goes back, my father tells a story all the time, and my uncle, uh, you know, tells this uh, same story about what the guy said to my father. So my father was passing out the flyers he had created, and like, come out to this, we're going to be this place at this, you know, this um, this modeling exhibition and fashion review. The whole thing was like, so a guy says, like, so wait, hold on, man. Let me let me get something straight here. You mean to tell me y'all going to have a whole bunch of nappy-headed black bees modeling, this, this, doing all that? He said, my father was like, whatever, brother. He's like, yeah, all right, I'm gonna, yeah, just buy a ticket, my father told him. He's like, all right, brother, I'm, I'm going to come out just so I can laugh. You know, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy a ticket. Y'all going to make some money off me, but I'm coming in to laugh. You know. And Mr. Show, they didn't know how it would go. But not only 
did it go well for anybody who had his sort of thinking. It totally transformed their mind, totally transformed how they were thinking. The line was outside the door, you know. So that first show of January 28th, uh, 1962 at the Purple Manor, they had to do another show that same. That's how crowded and that's how received it was. And, and they ended up doing another show just a few months later, you know. But here it is, someone who would come to this event like, no way, I ain't, I don't want to see no black woman doing like this. If you don't have this process, if you ain't got this perm in your hair, if you ain't looking like such and such, I ain't interested. I'm going to come. But when they got there, totally different. Totally, um not only was it in a visual aesthetic transformative, it was a spiritual one. And you can never quite <laughs> put a price on what you do when you change the spirit of a person. I, I would just also like to say I think that um all of it was a it was a perfect storm. You know, the connections of these jazz artists, um and everybody, you know, sort of played a part. And you start to see it coming out. You start seeing all these women in the black exploitation films with afros, et cetera. You know, this this became the look, you know. But as I said, prior to that, you see a, a entertainment or artsy scene of 1940, everybody's hair is processed, even the men. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a totally different thing. It was basically we're coming out of uh, evolution of how we saw ourselves. I want to fast forward. Let's fast forward to today. The AJAZ and Grandassa models have a place in history, um, and they've obviously impacted, you know, black culture in a variety of ways. What's some of that impact that you still see lingering today? Well, I say in 2018 in New York, we reminded them. So we have also people like Ann Tripp. She's the news voice for the Steve Harvey Morning Show, who was a grand African model. She recounts her experience. In fact, when they had the African-American Day Parade here, the grand African models, and they, you know, we brought a lot of the models back. You know, of course, they're up there in age from late 60s to 80s, um, and highlighted them and talked about it along the whole parade route with, red, black, and green float and the models on there and just talking about the history of black is beautiful. Um, so having someone who reaches millions of people like Ann Tripp sharing his history is important, you know, highlighting some other people uh, like Abby Lincoln who shared the history is important. You know, also it doesn't help when you have someone like Rihanna, when she launches her Fenty line, she highlights um, the Grandassa models and the Black is Beautiful movement as inspiration for her line and for what she wanted to create, showing my uncle's photographs, having pictures of my mother with the head wrap on, and, you know, <laughs> all of these things on there. You know, that's important for pushing forth because she's very influential. So the same thing happens is when you, the more people who have influence, who take a liking and take an interest into what you are doing, they actually help spread the message. And of course we have social media now. So 
things that might have been isolated to just people you know can easily get into the hands of other people who you don't know but have a platform to introduce. Even, I mean, look, Black Fashion History Podcast, you know how many people I've already told, like, about this? I know um, manufacturers, et cetera, of clothing, um, and I told them, like, you should listen to this. I I just came across this in such a short time. This is how things go when they develop. Someone then you click it on, you hear one interview, and you're like, oh, you start clicking on more. You start learning more. So because of the way society is now, it's sort of like an each one teach one and what we call paying it forward to others, you know, to increase the exposure so people can learn a lot more about fashion, um, modeling, clothing, jewelry, design, more importantly, because my mother used to sew her own clothing. A lot of the patterns, I mean, she didn't create them. They used to have patterns in a box, but the Grand Dasses often had, you know, more Afrocentric uh, clothing, but not all the time. If you see them on the runway, maybe in Chicago or Detroit or whatever, they might have had some, of course, they have their natural hair and everything, um, but they might have European-style clothing on and things like that. But the key was it was coming from their own creativity. They might add a twist on it, you know, and they and they were creating their own fashions, what they know they look good in. It wasn't going to, it wasn't, it's a antithesis of what you have today. A lot of people with style, they don't, they're going to go to the best designer out there. They, hey, pay, you know, it's about the money. You know, like, oh, I have on such and such and that sort of thing. It was the opposite then. It was about what they were creating for themselves in which they know they look good in. You know, even the earrings, you know, Carol Prince, who, you know, designed some of the jewelry and things and that. These things were designed specifically for certain models. You know, it wasn't, it was, it was more customized. It wasn't, a, you know, all right, you should wear everybody wearing this. Like, no, I got this for you. I got that for that person. You know what I mean? It just was a more customized uh, experience and look. So, you know, again, when you talk, when you mention about um, Fenty label under LVMH, um, using the photographs from Kwame Brathwaite, talking about how she was inspired by the Black is Beautiful movement, you know, you can't, it doesn't get much better <laughs> than someone like her pushing the culture forward. Um, what can we look forward to from the Ilambe Brad Foundation? And if people want to find out more information, you know, where can they go? What books can they buy? You know, all of those things. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, let's start with uh, what books they can buy. Um, as I said, we have a book that's coming out that they'll be able to buy. Well, it's not really our book. It's the, we, we, we're in conjunction. Uh, with the book, we work in conjunction by providing them with certain things, but the University of Mississippi reintroducing an expanded volume of Color Us Color, and it's going to have a lot of history about the Grand Dasser Models, Black and Beautiful Movement. Um, that's going to be coming out in the next, in 2020. Um, my uncle just released a book. It's a coffee table book called uh, Black is Beautiful. And 
is through the Aperture Foundation. Uh, people can get that. Prior to that, a later comer of the Grand Dasher models, uh, I mean, not the Grand Dasher models, a later comer, uh, to AJAZ, a gentleman named, uh, Cletus Smith. He wrote a book in 1995 called The Harlem Cultural and Political Movements, 1960 to 1970, from Malcolm X to Black is Beautiful. <sighs> Unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people will be able to get this, but this book is a sort of must-have. You know, it's a photo documentary book by Cletus, and it's edited in text by uh, Abiola Sinclair, who was one of the in New York, she was, excuse me, who was one of the leading um, reporters and uh, open-ed sort of writers in New York. And, you know, my father has contributed in that piece. Um, Gene Gums, one of the Grand Dasher models, as, as well as uh, other supporters of AJAZ, Playfell Benjamin, Adam Mola, um, Hannibal, I met, you know, that book, again, Harlem Culture and Political Movement, 1960 to 1970, from Malcolm X to Black is Beautiful, will tell uh, people a lot. And there's um, 150 exciting photographs in there. Um, it's, it's a great book. Um, as I said, I don't know how many people would be able to get it, but there there's some never-before seen photos, well, not never before, but rare photos of the Grand Dasher models out all congregated on a street corner. There's, there's a lot in there. Um, then you also have Tanisha uh, Ford's book, Liberated Threads, Black Women's Style and the Global Politics of Soul. Tanisha has done a great job. She has a section basically talking about the Grand I mean, she's got That's a lot. That's what I lot. about the Grand models from that book. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Tanisha uh, did a great job with that. You know, and of course there's always other things like New York Magazine from like May of 2016. I think it was May, uh, the May 16th to May 29th, 2016 edition. It's called What We Wore. And it was looking at what we wore in overtime, and they talked about the 10 events that made New York the fashion capital of the world. And the number eight uh, in there is the Grand Dasher Models, the Black is Beautiful movement, you know. So we weren't reflected at, you know, it's so crazy that um, we're happy about getting captured um, from New York Magazine as one of the 10 events that put New York as the fashion capital of the world. Even though we know our culture, we've really done all of these things. We, we've given everybody's taken black style, black creativity and made it their own and profited off of it. And, you know, we're like, oh, wow, New York Magazine captured Black is Beautiful in 1962. You know, that's beautiful. That's great. But it, instead of it, saying that, oh, that's the only black, we really should be, ref we shouldn't really be happy that they don't, they recognize um, black contribution and one of the 10 things they said made New York the fashion capital world over the last 100 years because we know, and your podcast is doing a great job of uncovering all the great black fashion history. It's actually a shame that 
they only had Black is Beautiful movement, 1962, and what the Grand Dasher models did. They only highlighted that because we we know and you know and your listeners know we we are way we way more <laughs> we've contributed way more than just that. You know, and there's some other little um, books, but I just was concentrating on, I just wanted to name those four books and just cite that in terms of the magazine, because one thing that I will know, a lot of times, they just say um, 1962, Black is Beautiful, and they don't talk about who, how Black is Beautiful. um, These, a lot of things you read online on it, it's not sourced correctly. And it was, it was Ajax. It was Ajax, 1962, Black is Beautiful Movement, um, Black Arts Movement Founders, and the Black is Beautiful Movement um, Pioneers, Ajax, 1962. It's not that simple to just say African-American community, which you see a lot that it just started there. Everything has a history. And as I said, um, it, we see how it worked its way into ex- Black Exploitation movies. Um, popular culture, you know, the the women of the Panthers. But there is a film that came out in the 70s, and it talks a little bit about this. It's called, um, oh, gosh. Oh, it's called Black is Beautiful, the African-American Civil Rights Movement Effect in the Arts of the Economy. First, I'll just say that film gets so much wrong. Yeah. So, but what they do, they talk in there about, because they don't direct the Black is Beautiful movement was so strong that what white women did, they created um, modeling agencies um, to bring black women in to, but they didn't want to do what the great, like these women all, it was different. They like, yo, we're going to have them all straight. We're going to keep, you know, it's sort of more like a Barbie doll sort of thing, you know, where it's going to be white women. I shouldn't, I don't want to say like, <laughs> white women, with, but they wanted to capture that market and that these white-owned beauty agencies start modeling agencies. They were one where white women started popping up. One of them was like called Black Beauty, All Black Models, you know. And interestingly, I saw um, they also coupled it with some early black fashion designers who also wear their hair natural, but they were not political and they didn't want to be looked at as political but you would sort of think like when you look at them like okay they sort of doing the same thing you know like no this is just the way you they really more so like nah my head just happens to grow like this out of my head you know it's not really it's not tied into a political right i'm not exactly they wasn't trying to make a statement so even though i'm personally saying that um People who did this um, movie, and it's, it's on YouTube, I'm pretty sure you can find it, were off on a lot of things in which they said in there. It's interesting still to see Marion, I think her name is Marion Holmes or Williams, an early black designer included in there. And again, they this upcoming documentary, which my mother's featured in, say you say you want a revolution, splices scenes from that in there. And when... I first saw you, so you said you want a revolution. I, I was wondering where the footage was from. I later came to find that other video and see where it's from and what they were saying about it. But what I will say, as far as I'm concerned, the Black is Beautiful, the African-American Civil Rights, I mean, 
movement effect on the arts and the economy is something produced outside of our community, about our community, yet still interesting because it has this old footage. It has a lot of um, people who you thought you think looking at first glance, are those Grand Assa models? But actually aren't. You know, because the Grand Assas also were copied after that and other people trying to do similar things. The key is to get more information out there, like what you guys are doing, the Black Fashion History Podcast. And that's one of the reasons I say, you know, it's so great because um, there's just so much more information for us to uncover out there and to document and set the history straight. Because, again, as I outlined, even in our own communities, Japanese and Jets, et cetera, Initially, they wouldn't touch it, you know, and if it wasn't for the, those early boycotts um, by black women, they started a pushback against black magazines, you know, it would have continued longer. And that's it for this magical Black Thursday. As always, thank you for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Sinke. And I hope you learned some new things about the Grand Dassa models, the Black is Beautiful movement, the Civil Rights movement, and so much more. I encourage you, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please check the description. I'm going to have links to all of the things that Sinke was talking about, as well as some links to more information about the Grand Dassa models and ajaz of course follow us on instagram at black fashion history podcast there will be dropping images of the beautiful grandassa models as well as um, other ajaz members so you can put some images with all of the information that you learned today and of course make sure that you are subscribed to our podcast or you follow us or whatever there is to do on whatever podcast platform that you listen to us on make sure you do that and of course leave me a review if you can i love and appreciate it so much and last but certainly not least join me again next week for another black fashion installment bye